Hey, 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 good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. This is your guy, Larry, and you just tuned into another awesome episode of Larry's Biblecast. How are you guys doing today, this week? First of all, I want to thank you all for just tuning in and help and let me be a part of your day. Another awesome episode that we're going to get ready to get into. Um, this is going to be day 20 of the the devotional that we're reading out of the Version Bible app called Favor. And again, like all the rest of the, the episodes or the day episodes that we've been reading, Favor has been uh, such an awesome devotional. And we've been learning so much throughout this uh, this series. We got one more day left, day twenty one. Um, I hopefully hopefully I'll be getting that out later this week uh, in time for the weekend. But uh, in the meantime, um, I'm thankful and grateful to be able to um, to kind of read um, through day twenty with you all. And uh, I pray that you will be you will be blessed by the reading of this and when what we get out of it um i don't want to i man every time i do the intro i am so excited about what we're getting ready to hear that I almost kind of spill the beans <laughs> but i just want to let you know that i think that this is going to be another awesome episode i want you guys to uh listen to it and and just really uh be a you know be blessed by it and i pray that uh you can read it and read the read the chapters that we, we went through uh i believe out of matthew uh matthew 26 and 27 uh that's what we're going to be getting into and just uh hopefully i pray that you you just get something really good out of this i'm telling you it's going to be a little lengthy so most part of it is going to be you know just a lot of me reading but uh we'll kind of discuss some 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 parts of it in there and uh man i'll tell you uh i will say this one thing and this is stay faithful, stay faithful with God, no matter what life has ups and downs, trials and tribulations, but no matter what, stay faithful with God the, toward the end, no matter how, how bad it gets. God also understands what you're going through, even if he, it doesn't seem like he knows, or even if it seems like he doesn't care or you know how we human how we how we see life sometimes so just want to kind of throw that in there i know it's it's not really a spoiler but i just want you to want you to take that in with you as you uh encounter this new episode as always um you know follow me on different the different podcasts you're going to hear me on i'm on iHeartRadio now and uh, i'm on um um Apple Podcasts. I'm on Google Podcasts. I'm also on, uh, um, man, uh, other all the other ones. Uh, Anchor is where I produce this podcast. I'm on Spotify, of course, uh, Podbean, and uh, there's Podchaser, Pocket Cast, I believe, that still still runs the podcast as well. Tell a friend, share this with someone, share this this episode. You can listen to any other podcast, but I'm thankful and grateful. As always, that you stop by and take a listen to me. So I'm great. I'm grateful for that. With all that being said, enjoy this next episode of Larry's podcast. Uh, Larry's Biblecast. Excuse me. <laughs> I made a mistake. Larry's Biblecast. All right.
right. All right. So welcome back. So let's get right into the scripture portion of the devotional today. Uh, we're going to be reading out of, uh, well, we're going to be going day 20. Uh, for those of you that have been following along, this is day 20. We have one more day um, to complete this entire devotional on favor. Hopefully you guys have been getting a lot out of out of this uh, like I have. It's just been just been a phenomenal journey through this devotional. And so uh, for those of you that follow me, I really appreciate it and just really thankful that, um, you know, I can be a part of your day, uh, sometime of your part of your day. So let's get right into this. Let's uh, get rolling in this here. And we're going to start off uh, reading out of Matthew chapter 26, verse 1 through 75, quite lengthy. And then we'll get into Matthew 27, verse 1 through 66. So again, just uh, bear with, with me. And we will um, we'll go through an explanation of some of this and uh, as we as we move forward to it. OK, it says here, Matthew chapter 26, verse one, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, Passover begins in two days and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified at that same time. The leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, or I guess it's pronounced Caiaphas or Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting, on, plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the Passover celebration. They agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the, time, at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy while he was eating uh, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head the disciples were indignant when they saw this what a waste they said it could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor but jesus aware of this reply of this replied why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? Verse 18 says, as you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I 
the one Lord. He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It will be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who, who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and he went out to the Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me for the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove in called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and, the, and Zebedee's two sons, John, James and John, and they became anguished and distressed. And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed his bowed with his head, with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you couldn't you watch with me even one one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken from away unless I drink it, your will will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went and went to so he went to pray a third time saying the same thing. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The son of man is, is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's get going. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, 
had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus, greeting, Rabbi, he, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slaves, slave slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use a sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describes what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowds, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all to all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scripture. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Cyphus, the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Inside the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. But even though they found many who agreed to give false witnesses, witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. Finally, two men came forward who declared, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, You have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in, in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his, clo his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy! Why do, you, why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. Then they began to spit on, on, in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists and came and some slapped him, jeering, prophesy to us, you Messiah, who hit you that time? Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those, you were one of those with Jesus at the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, outside, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. 
Later, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. You, you, we can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Right, so welcome back. So we're going to read the second portion of the scripture, Matthew 27, verses 1 through 66. Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, took him to the to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas... What, who had betrayed him realized that Jesus had been condemned to die. He was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priest picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it is payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says, they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusation against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you, Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, 
Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the crowds roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing. So he went for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus, to, Jesus flogged with a, le, a lead whip tip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the, the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove, thrown, uh, they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in, mo in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. And when they, found, they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put on his clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon, who was from Serene. And the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And they went out to a place called Gol Golgotha, which means place of the skull. The soldiers gave Jesus wine mixed with bitter gall, and when he had tasted it, he refused to drink it. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people were passing by, shouted, passing by, shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests the teachers of religious law and the elders also mocked him. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't even save himself. For he, so he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemme sabathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling out, calling for the one prophet, Elijah. One of them ran and filled a, a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, 
Let's see if see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, the to and tombs were open. Bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus's resurrection went into the holy, the, into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. They said, "This man truly was the Son of God." And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Jesus, uh, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a, a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own tomb, his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will pre prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. Pilate replied, take, the, take guards and secure it the best way the best you can so they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it we'll be right back we got a little bit more to share So welcome back. So let us continue reading. We have about three more verses that I want to read before we kind of give our overall discussion about this. Um, we're going to read one verse, John 15 and 18. It says here simply, and this is Jesus talking. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Then in verse and John chapter 6 verse 33 I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but take heart because I have overcome the world the last one is in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 may your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven 
All right. So what did you guys think about everything that I've read so far? Well, let's just talk a little bit about Matthew chapter 26, 1 through 75, which was quite a, quite lengthy. We see the 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 events that was happening um, in Jesus's um, path or, you know, path to the crucifixion, basically. We also see how there were a lot of plots by none other than the leading priests and the high priests, you know, teachers of religious law. To me, this really, it just really uh, capsulates the entire thing of how the situation was going in order for Jesus to come to the place of him being crucified. In other words, if you look at the progression of this, going from the plot and the plan on how they could capture Jesus, how they can secretly, you know, secretly uh, capture him and kill him. They even made sure they said, don't do it during the Passover celebration. And even though if you notice, have you ever noticed sometimes in the world that we live in today, there will be sometimes people that that plot to do wrong. They will try to mix a little bit of what they consider justice or good as if to say, well, we're not going to do it on this day because of this reason, as if they're observing something. If you notice that they 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 claim they seem to almost think that they were observing a Passover celebration. But this all led and 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 I want to, you know, those of us, we understand this, that our life is not perfect. We just read uh, in in the scriptures here where it talks about in uh, in 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 the book of Matthew where Jesus said that in his life you will have sorrows or you will have trials and you have tribulations basically you will have trouble okay but fear not he has overcome the world we see all the things that was happening behind the scenes though we are now reading about it and how though it was seemingly done secretively secretively but God understands and knows everything some of you that might be listening right now might be going through a situation right now whether there's some kind of uh, situation going on in your job whether it's in your life maybe family situation maybe a circumstance in your home or whatever and sometimes you you wonder whether or not God is still in control or whether or not God sees what's going on. Or maybe you may see some things that just seem to be so unfair. And you're wondering, why is God allowing this to happen? If you notice, as we read in the lengthy chapter of chapter 26, all the things that they were they were plotting against someone who was innocent. And as we read we began to see how these things were were were, were happening. Um, Judas Iscariot, one of his very own disciples, was was set apart to betray him. Jesus knew it because when they were sitting at the table, he says that one of you will betray me. He already knew, and 
Judas had just had to fulfill what it was, what, what it was he was to do. And not only was he to fulfill that promise by going, going out from them and going to get the 30 pieces of silver, even the, even getting the 30 pieces of silver was a fulfillment of the prophecy that will be further, that will be further told. And this was a prophetic action that happened almost years before the actual act happened. So that was interesting. He, Jesus knew that even though he knew all the, the situations and the steps that was going to take leading up to his own crucifixion, he also knew that it was going to take a sacrifice. He took, it took a sacrifice of his life and everything just to do and, re, and release it unto God so that God can continue to, to have his will to be done in, in our lives. You know that? So, when Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane to pray, he was fully aware of what he would go through physically, but also what he would go through spiritually. Now, like some of you, I've, I've always known about the crucifixion of Jesus. I knew that this was not an easy thing for him to go through physically. I knew that he would suffer through through the, the crushing of his of his very body, meaning through through the whips, through the 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 piercing of his his feet, his hands and feet on the cross, being crucified, basically being executed. But he as well also would have to go through separation, abandonment from his own disciples. In other words, at one point all his disciples that followed him, all 12 of them would abandon him. The one that really stuck out and we read was Peter himself who said, Peter, Peter said to Jesus, I will never abandon you. I will never abandon you. But he told him and, to, and Jesus told Peter that even you, Peter, as much as you say that you will follow me, as much as you say that you would never leave me, you will in fact deny me three times that you ever knew me. And you know what? When Jesus says something, and even though we don't want to admit it to be true, we end up fulfilling the very thing that Jesus says. And that is true of some of us. Some of us will always say, well, I'll never sin against you, Lord. And I'm talking about some of us that are being Christians, some of us that have leadership roles in the church, some of us that 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 are are maybe uh, integral to integrity or integral others people of integrity in front of people. This is why we have to humble and humble ourselves and we have to allow God to continue to work on us no matter who we are. Because we are all susceptible to fall. We're all we all have the ability to sin, whether we are a pastor, a leader or what have whatever we are. We all have the, the the ability to fall short and to and to make a mistake and to do something that will that will ultimately just ultimately make others feel bad about us. 
So we have to be here. We, we have to be humble and we always have to be prayerful. We always have to be asking God to help us throughout our life, no matter how long we've been saved or how long we've been uh, a Christian. We have to allow God to continue to work on us. Amen. Not to use that as an excuse to sin, but to give us strength every day to keep our minds and our hearts and our walk with the Lord focused and, 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 and intact. In other words, just when we think we got it together, sometimes something will come along and test us or tempt us to walk off the path that we're supposed to be on. So, and I'm not saying that again, I'm just saying that this is something that we as Christians have to be aware of. Peter fell. Peter fell. He and he and he he was remorseful. He was remorseful. He cried when he finally betrayed the Lord. Like he betrayed him or, or actually he denied him three times that he ever knew who Jesus was. And I'm talking about publicly. And so when he did that, his words, what Jesus told him that he would do, came back to him and he went away and he was and he cried bitterly. I really felt for Peter because I really believe on one hand he was really he was really true as to what he said. He was impassioned by by what he said to Jesus that he would never leave him. He would never deny him. But actually, he actually did the very thing that Jesus told him that he would do. And Peter didn't think that he would do it. But let's continue on here as we go through this whole progression leading up to this crucifixion. We see not only that Judas, he, he became remorseful. He tried to return the gift. He tried to return the silver, excuse me, to the, to the, the chief priests and the high priests. They said, that's not our problem. Have you ever had a situation like that? You did something you shouldn't have did. And now you try to go back and you try to fix it. You try to go back and, and try to reverse it like, like Judas did. It was too late. It was done. And the one that the ones that that gave him the silver, even they decided, well, we're not going to use this this money because this money was given as murder. They didn't want they wanted to some kind of way wipe their hands of it. You notice everybody that had a part to play in this, whether it was the, the, the high priest, the chief priest whether it was Judas himself to help betray Jesus, whether it was them plotting, get, trying to gather in the crowd of witnesses and trying to get people to speak against Jesus. You see how everybody in this whole situation had a role to play in bringing Jesus closer and closer to the actual crucifixion. And all of this Every single last part of this had to had a part to play, but it was also under the eyes of God. God can see it. God understood it. God allowed it to happen. I want you guys to understand something that in life, there are things that are happening all around the world in your life, just like it is in my life, in my situation, in your situation that God sees all these things. God sees what's happening behind the scenes. God sees the plots. God sees who's trying to plot things against you, whether just like in, in my situation. I've had situations on a job where I where there were things that were like snares and traps that 
people were really plotting to put things against me. And God is aware of it. So I want you guys to understand and be encouraged today that if some of you are going through some things, understand that God is still in control. Now, will God, will he intervene? Sometimes he will, but sometimes he'll allow the process to continue to happen. Not because he's upset with you or you. maybe you might feel today that that's unfair. But life has a way of continuing on and God knows the outcome. He knows that even through your situation, whether it be bad or good, God says, I, I will, you will understand it as you come out of it. There are some situations that you will go through and God will give you the strength to go through these situations in order for you to come out on the other side of it. So you can understand exactly why you went through these situations. Right. So let's continue on here. Now, we see how eventually as we get down further in in chapter Matthew 26 we begin to see how the 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 high priest and everybody else it seemed like everything was going according to plan they were trying they were trying to get Pilate now they move from the crowds and they want to bring Jesus to Pilate himself who was the governor at that time in Rome they had to really push the narrative as we see in the world today we see how illegal practices and we see how certain things that were considered quote unquote immoral as we as we know things that we know God wouldn't be pleased with whether it's in our country in our country mainly things are happening and things begin to progressively get in the way that is sinful and now it becomes it becomes legalized it becomes uh, law and that's the same thing. These people wanted to push this all the way up to Pilate. Pilate understood the real reason why the high priests and the teachers of religious law and even the crowd at that time was trying to crucify Jesus. They wanted, they want, the other, other words, even during the time of Passover where they, where Pilate would traditionally give or exchange a release a prisoner, right? It's kind of like a president that's given a pardon to someone, right? It's the same thing. And so guess what? They decided release Barabbas, release this, this, this hardened criminal that, that has done things that they know that he's guilty of some things. They decided to release him. Now, I don't know about some of you, but I see how the symbolism of this is. Before Jesus came, went to the cross and died for our sins, this was a almost like a, 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 a physical change. We see that Jesus going to the, going and being exchanged for the criminal who has done wrong. And he's being exchanged at being an innocent man and exchanging his life for the criminal. This it's just an interesting type of symbolism as we see where Pilate releases Barabbas or the people of the crowd says release Barabbas. And yet Jesus now is the guilty one. Now Jesus is sentenced to death instead of Barabbas. You see, you and I, man, grace is so good. Grace is so awesome. The grace of God, the mercy of God that he would 
allow his only begotten son who was totally innocent of sin and he would release us. We are released just like Barabbas was for our sins, for our shortcomings. No matter what kind of sin it was or what we've done or what kind of lifestyle we lived or what we was involved in, we in God's eyes are now released in exchange for Jesus who was totally innocent. Isn't that amazing? I just wanted to stop right there and explain that. We're going to take a quick short break and we're going to come right back. All right, so welcome back. Hopefully you guys are enjoying what we're reading here. So this has been um, just a wonderful and awesome um, devotional today. Um, when you read, we read uh, Matthew chapter 27. We understand that uh, what has happened through this chapter about um uh, you know, the life or the the remaining life of Jesus before he went to the cross, um, how the crowds pushed toward uh, having Ju uh, Jesus go before Pilate, the exchange for Barabbas. Um, that was, that to me was a powerful moment. And then as we continued on, we see how the crowds demanded Pilate to, condemn him to crucify him now you notice too i want to say this real quick Pilate decided to he saw the mobs of crowd and he would rather instead of the crowd turn into a, a violent mob or to riot he would rather just you know wipe his wash his hands of the situation he didn't want to be a part of it another interesting thing was why uh Pilate's wife even had a dream about and telling him do not have anything to do with this this man basically crucifying or condemning this man because he's innocent there's so many things that we get from this from Matthew chapter 26 and 27 so let's continue on real quick uh, toward the end of this and I want you to remember Jesus's words here in, ja in John chapter 15 verse 18 then this is for all of us that that we want to be representatives of Jesus. We want to be light bearers for Jesus Christ. We want to tell the world about about God's salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus's words himself says to us, he says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Those of you like myself that that really want to you know, tell the world about the love of Christ and, 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 and about salvation. Understand that not everybody is going to receive you. Not everybody is going to receive the message of Christ. Remember, they, Christ himself, or the disciples, I should say, were prevented sometimes in many ways of preaching about Jesus Christ. We live in a country right now that... We have the freedom to teach 
and to preach in Jesus Christ's name, to share the gospel, to witness. But there are other countries that you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to freely talk about it. Matter of fact, there are countries right now in the world that they will kill you for talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible, you know, and don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that this will happen in the future. Remember, the world is progressively getting more evil and Satan is is no. He knows that he has only a limited amount of time before Jesus does come back. And before that happens, we're going to see increasing the world become increasingly evil. It will not get any better. Yes, we still should pray for God's will and purpose to be done in the lives of many others. But understand that the world itself, just like he says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. He wants you to understand and remember that that. The hatred is going to be to be from me. I am the root of that hatred because you all are have become my disciples. So the next thing we see in John chapter 16 in verse 33, it says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Again, Jesus is the focus. He wants you to understand that, yes, there will be so many trials and tribulations. There will be sorrows in the earth while we're living here in this world. Because guess what? Life is hard. Life is not easy. But he says, he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Remember, we have to be in Jesus. Sometimes our problems and our situations overtake us and we get consumed with what we're going through. I myself have, I am I myself have have experienced this. I've become so consumed with what I've been going through, sometimes I forget that I'm supposed to be focusing on God. Sometimes the pro, the trials and tribulations of life is real, y'all. And I know you know this. So remember that we all have to remember this. God says that your peace needs to be in me, in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself experienced that in the physical. Remember, he came as a man. So he understood what life, how hard life is. He understood. Remember, he was crucified and he was innocent. So they rejected him. The ones that should have known who he was were the ones that put him on the cross and rejected him. But guess what? It all happened under the eyes and direction of God. Remember this. Some of us have to remember and be reminded. If Jesus went through what, they, what he went through and God saw it and overseen it. He was the overseer of the whole entire thing of his son being crucified. And remember this, this is something else that just occurred to me. When God saw that his son was crucified and he was executed on that cross and he was spat upon and he was hit and he was whipped and the crown of thorns put on his head and mocked do you do you wonder right now 
that no wonder God would have struck everyone down and killed everyone, but he didn't. Did you did you see did you did you think about that? Jesus went through all of that and this was the son of God. Yet he was put on the cross. Yet he was whipped. And with all that <coughs> with all that and even dying and being put in the grave God never, never struck down any of those people. None of them. They lived, right? They lived. That should really resonate with our thoughts. The last thing he says, or last verse that we have in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever is done in heaven, may it happen on earth. And guess what? Even though we don't have this verse in our devotional, but in Revelations, in the last book of the Bible, we do see that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Whatever God has established in heaven will eventually come to earth. And we need to continue to keep praying that God's kingdom come soon. Remember, like I said, the world will, will become increasingly evil. We will see things happen among our people, among the, re the, the inhabitants of the world, from the low to the high, from leaders in government and, and kings and presidents of the earth. None of us, none of us are perfect. And things will begin to take place and have been taking place for years in order to fulfill what God has already saw that is happening. This is why there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is why God will eventually come or Jesus will come back and reset everything. And you and I, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to preach. We have to pray. We have to teach. We have to do the things and stay on course. Stay the course. No matter how hard life is, no matter where, who is unfair to you and how people plot against you, stay the course. Never treat people the way they treat you. All of this we've learned in this chapter in cha in Matthew uh, in Matthew chapter twenty six and twenty seven. It was so much wrong going on, but that wasn't a time to retaliate. If you notice that, God never retaliated. And when the disciples, when Jesus was in the garden, and the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, came to arrest him, and they had weapons. And the disciples were going to fight back. And one of them even cut the ear off of one of the Roman soldiers. He even stopped them and said, don't do that. It's not that time to fight. Allow God's plan to happen and allow God to, 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 to have his time. Amen. So let's, let's end this right now with this devotional. And 
it says here, Jesus possessed the fullness of the favor of God on earth. Though he loved well and performed miracles everywhere he went during the, his three years of ministry, he also he was also a man who was hated and crucified. Favor does not always ease our path. Favor can promote us to a place of recognition that attracts judgment and jealousy. Let's read that one more time. Favor can promote us to a place of recognition that attracts judgment and jealousy. Favor can increase our responsibilities and raise the level of expectation that people place on us. Favor can accentuate our kingdom purpose, but it does not assure rapport among our peers. If, if there is ugly in the world around us, favor will draw it out. Though there are, there may be many trials or maybe trials, take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. Our suffering on earth is temporary and his reward is eternal. God's favor in our lives isn't to glorify us, but to glorify him so that his will may be accomplished on earth through our lives. Despite our critics, claim the favor of God in your life today and use it for his kingdom purposes. Wow. So what do you think about that? How is that? How is that today? So understand that. Understand that God's favor in your life, in my life, man, will bring out hatred, will bring out jealousy. Just because God is showing you favor and blessing you in your life, not everybody's going to celebrate that. Not everybody's going to be happy for you. As a matter of fact, it will draw jealousy and hatred. So don't have this expectation that everybody's going to give you a standing ovation. <laughs> Some people will plot. Maybe God's light will shine upon you and, you know, people around your job or people in your family or others around you may not, but will just hate you for it. Listen, I, I hope that doesn't happen for any of you. Just like I pray it doesn't happen for me. I'm not saying that we should want hatred or jealousy to happen to us. But I think the greater message that I want to make sure that we, we close with today is that no matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to you in your life, as you go through this crazy thing we call life is to remember to to stay the course and to remember to stay faithful God to God no matter what and this is what we saw in the life of Jesus we, this is what we saw in the ministry of Jesus Christ no matter how hard it got no matter if he if, if with the knowledge he had he even cried out to the Lord in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed he said, God, it basically, even though it says how he said it, if this cup of suffering be be passed from me, please allow it. He pleaded with God. And he said, let it not be my will, but your will be done. 
If you notice that everything, even what Jesus was 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 directed to do, he did it because it was the will of God. It was the will of God. Okay, remember that it was God's will that his son, his own son, to be to be crucified, to be executed on the cross for all of us. The great, other words, the greater goal. The overall goal was salvation for all of mankind. Whether or not people wanted that salvation or not, whether they were deserved it or not. Remember, each and every one of us don't deserve to go to heaven. We all deserve hell. We all deserve it. Jesus ultimately, in that crucifixion, what I meant to say earlier that I forgot to tell you, is not only was he pleading with God about the suffering, but he was also not wanting to go through the suffering of being separated from the father. He understood the weight of sin. Jesus understood that going to the cross to be the, the lamb of God, the sacrifice for all the mankind meant that he, he who had no sin would have to become sin. And if Jesus had to become sin for us, guess what? He took upon our sin our sin nature and 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 crucified it and nailed it to the cross and he became every single murderous murderous thing bad thing every heinous thought every every sinful action you and I have ever done he took that and he put it on the cross. He became those nasty thoughts, those those vile thinking, the words and the and the and and the and the deeds that we do. He became that on the cross for us. What that did was that caused God to turn his 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 face away from his only son. This is why if you notice when he was on the cross, the very thing that actually killed him along of course with the crucifixion but when he said my god my god why have you abandoned me why have you forsaken me god would never forsake it, forsake his only begotten son but at that moment while he was on the cross after the the disciples had abandoned him after being spat upon, after being rejected by the the high priests and the and the and the and the people of of that time, after going through the mockery and being bat up, spit, spat upon and beat upon, for him to be put on the cross with all the pain that he had to endure, to be ultimately at the end of that, of all of that, being rejected by the father the one that he was with from the time of genesis remember jesus was with the father from the very beginning for all eternity to be separated from the one that he never has been separated from and not just separated but abandoned remember the wages of sin are death so jesus had to endure not just a physical death but he had to temporarily endure a spiritual death. That means death means separation. And no other time in his life 
No other time that Jesus would ever be eternally separated from the Father except for that very moment. And to me, that's what killed him. That's what caused Jesus's life right there among all the pain that he had to endure and everything else. To be rejected by the Holy Father, to be rejected by heavenly, the Heavenly Father, to be separated. That right there was the one that, that they say put the nail in the coffin. You and I will never have to experience a rejection from God because of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm telling you, when I think about the goodness of God, when I think about the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that for me helps me draw me closer to the Lord, but help me to understand salvation a lot better. And I pray that no matter what we go through in this world again, like I told you, we stay focused and we stay close to our father until it's time for us to come home, until Jesus Christ comes back. Let us stay the course. No matter what, it's going to get rough. We see what's happening in our world today. It's not going to get any easier. But our devotion and our loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ has to be intact. We have to keep, we have to stay the course. So I wanted to, this is a powerful, this is such a powerful uh, devotional today. I don't want to take too much more of your time. I know it's been lengthy, but I thank God for you all listening. I thank God for you guys tuning in. I praise God and I pray that each one of you will have the passion that I do to stay the course with the Lord. Amen. May God's favor stay with you all just like it stayed with me. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for another awesome day, another week for my listeners, another day for my listeners. Father, I pray that each one of us that are listening to this particular episode, that we take heed to the, the favor of the Lord in our lives. Yes, favor will, 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 will get us in, will attract jealousy and envy and sometimes will, will bring us into all kinds of situations. Yes, favor will be a blessing to some of us, but favor will also bring us into leadership positions, may, may bring us into areas of influence, and that may cause problems in our lives. But Father God, I prayed right now in the name of Jesus that you would continue to strengthen us. Even if you don't take us out of a situation, even if you allow us to go through a situation, help us to be strong and endure through the situation. Father, we thank you for just always being the overseer of our lives, no matter whether it's ups or down, no matter whether we win or lose. But help our hearts to be remain focused and immovable to the devotion that we should have in you. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we bless you. For those that have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as, your pers as their pers personal Savior, I pray right now for them. I pray that they will open their hearts and they will read the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will read the Bible. Someone will pray for them. 
Maybe one of my listeners will plant that seed of of uh, of uh, encouragement and to pray with them about salvation for Jesus Christ. Remember, it's not a perfect life, but we thank you for giving us salvation for eternal life. What will happen when we pass from this life? As we are laid to rest, Lord, open up the gates of heaven for us as we prepare in our lives to live out our lives, but keep our hearts devoted to you no matter what we go through. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We thank you for everything you've allowed us to have to allowed us to go through and to and to come out of whether it's victories or defeats. Help us keep our mind and our heart focused on you. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. I'll be talking to you soon next time. God bless you all.